All right. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I hope everybody's having a good uh, Memorial Week uh, and enjoy the day off uh, yesterday if you have a kind of a job that you can do that with. Um, uh, uh, so this past week um, in church, we were in uh, Matthew 18, the sort of church discipline um, bit of the text verses 15 to 20 and uh one of the things that i talked briefly about was just that the church's um tendency to not do church discipline that we have kind of this tendency to to overlook it to avoid it at all costs um because it's difficult it is ugly it's it's kind of hard and uncomfortable to walk through it it it's not always ugly it can be ugly um it, it's really only ugly when christians begin to act like unbelievers um it it is uh, it can be really difficult depending on the nature of the sin and what's going on and what kind of devastation is in its wake um but we tend to overlook it to not deal with it to uh skip over it and i think um i, I just i didn't really give example um, in the sermon much, but this this has really been devastating to the church in America. This this lack of uh, lack of us caring about um, church discipline, and and really that's a, a scary word. Like I said in the sermon, if you didn't uh, hear that, then go back and listen to that instead. So I don't. I'm not gonna rehash all of it, but because that's a scary word for a lot of folks, um, why don't we just deal with it like this? It The, the thing deals with God caring uh, a lot about sin being in the camp, um, sin in the church. If you remember back in the book of Joshua, um, I believe it's chapter 7, um, where Achan um, keeps back some of the things that they were supposed to destroy— and in the the conquest of Canaan, he keeps back some of those things, and so God um, doesn't go with them to war. In fact, um, Ai, who they went to battle with, they sent uh, three thousand troops, um, thinking how oh, this is going to be kind of a piece of cake. Or uh, the, the town was small; they didn't have a lot, so they figured we won't send everybody there. It would be pointless to, and so they send three thousand people. Uh, lo and behold, uh, 36 of them uh, die, and, and the rest of them flee and run away from the men of Ai. And so uh, there, there's this picture then after that of, of um, them finding out why God didn't go with them, why they didn't uh, win that battle. And it was because Achan had kept back some of the things that God explicitly told them to get rid of. He explicitly told them to 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 destroy all of the things uh, from the last battle, and um, he didn't do that. So this is just one, uh, maybe maybe the most um, uh, maybe the most obvious. Uh, Old Testament example of sin in the camp and the fact that God just doesn't tolerate it. It's not tolerated. Um, and I think a, a New Testament example that's super obvious would be Ananias and Sapphira. 
um, that these are two folks who deliberately uh, lied and uh, um, to the church to and then the in Acts it says that they lied to the Holy Spirit. Um, they, they, not that, not in, not by any stretch of the imagination that the Holy Spirit can be lied to and fooled in some way, but it's just the intent of their heart was evil. They they devised this plan to look good and and do um, give their land at a certain price and then give all of the money to the church. Um, so sometimes unbelievers will look at that and and say, um, uh, "Man, the church is all about money." Uh, or that kind of thing. But that's not really what that text is about at all. It's about, again, sin being in the camp and God not tolerating it. Um, and so for us, we we have to think about um, this on the regular. We have to take seriously the sin that, that we find in our camp. Uh, this morning at Men's Bible Study, we, uh, we were in Hebrews chapter 13. We just began the last chapter there. Um, and in verse... Four, it says, marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Well, that led down a rabbit trail, um, and uh, we we began to talk about the um, importance of marriage and and how you know so often today in our um, day and age, the culture seems to be dictating how parents tell, even Christian parents teach their children about marriage um, or uh, sexual intimacy, that sort of stuff, um, and how the Bible and Scripture really doesn't play a role at all in most homes, even in most Christian homes. We tend to let movies and culture dictate to our own children what these things are and what they mean. Um, well, then that that went into um, uh, that conversation spiraled even more into uh, pornography um, and the the just the the insanity that that is um, that it's uh, built its way crept its way into the church world and um, and we we talked just briefly about how. Um, that that is one sin that has just become not okay but expected. Like men and even now women are expected to fail in these areas. In fact, most uh, men, if if you say, um, if you say to someone, "No, I don't struggle with pornography," um, there are several people who would simply say, you're lying. Because it has just not, <laughs> I, I don't believe that. Um, I, obviously, people are victorious over things like that that have been addicted to them over time, uh, that, that we serve the gods of those uh, uh, lust and whatever else. Uh, th- those You can become victorious over those things. Um, but a lot of people would say, you're a liar. Um, and, and I don't think that that is because that's true that we feel that way. I think it's because it has crept so much into the church, into the lives of Christians, Christian men who actually are Christians and who have, have fumbled in this area and just 
it's just a spiral. It's a difficulty that that you don't feel like I I know in my mind I can be free of this. I know in my heart I can be free of this, but I don't believe I can be free of this at the same time. And so uh, it, it it has crept its way into the church. Why? I'm not going to talk about the in and outs of the ins and outs of um, uh, addiction or um, pornography or sexual immorality or what marriage is supposed to be, that sort of stuff. That's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at here is that it begins, that kind of stuff begins to creep into the church because of a lack of care uh, on the part of Christians about sin being in the church. We don't take our own sin seriously a lot of times. Um, We have sins that we enjoy and so we don't talk about those, or, um, or even if it, this isn't a sin particularly that I struggle with, um, but I, I know that this person has really struggled with this sin, um, I, I still, I don't want to confront that because that would be awkward, and is it really that big of a deal? Like, they're doing okay. Everything in Scripture would scream to us, no, no. The expectation is, as believers is that we will grow up, that we'll grow up into Christ, that we'll stop, that we'll stop drinking milk and eat meat as believers. And part of that is the ability, um, part of that is, as a, as a Christian, part of you being a Christian, part of a regenerate heart, the evidence of that is that you hate your sin. And let's be honest, brothers and sisters, if we hate our sin and we hate that our brothers and sisters in Christ struggle with sin, then why, oh, why are we so afraid to dive in and help, to be used by God in his rescue of others. But because this has been neglected in the church, now we have um, divorce being prevalent in the church. Uh, we have um, uh, we have abortion stories in the church, people who... Uh, um, are uh, Christian people who are struggling with sins that they should never have struggled with because the church does not take sin seriously. This does not mean that we are to run around on purpose with every intention of looking intently into the hearts and minds of all of our brothers and sisters, assuming motive, um, looking at every little misstep that might be happening. Of course, we're not supposed to watch the body language of our brother and sister and go, hey, I think we need to talk uh, because what you did, that that really was just, it was it displayed anger. And um, no, uh, we don't need to do that, right? What What we're talking about here is, sin that the person isn't aware of and isn't dealing with on their own, right? When, when the, the idea behind this is if, if someone is in sin, someone's living in sin and you know about it and they know about it and they don't care, 
right? Or if someone is living in sin and you know about it and they're not aware of it, right? We have some sort of blind spot, like they can't see that what they're doing here or there is sinful, like allowing culture to teach your children about relationships. That's sinful. That's your job. It's also not the job of your sex education teachers at school. That's sinful. Um, And very likely, if they're in school teaching it, they're going to get it wrong. Um, I can't imagine a scenario in which they would get it right, because in uh, to get it right it's not just about abstinence it's about the reason for abstinence right it's it's about the reason for abstinence being that we have a holy and perfect and righteous uh, groom waiting for his bride the church in heaven and his bride should be pure and he's waiting to consummate that marriage so there's a, there's a whole picture behind this right so There are lots of things that the church should be better at that it's not. Lots of things that the church has overlooked throughout, I don't know, a few generations at least. Uh, Speaking about here in America in particular. um, I mean, and I'm no, I I don't want to come off in this podcast as as um, someone who's above it all. I, I certainly am not. I struggle with things and there are things that I that um, that I am um, that I fight against and there are things that I don't fight against until someone brings it up and I go, good grief, that's right, you know and I realize um, but here's the difference. Think about think about the holiness of the church if, if we were a whole bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ who truly, truly cared more about one another, truly cared more about, if I, as your brother in Christ, truly care more about your sanctification, about you looking like Christ, about you growing up in your faith, than I did about um, my comfort level and wanting to talk about it, than I did about my worry of confrontation, my worry of uh, my face being spat in, um, uh, all of the things that you kind of worry about going into it, all the things that that make us not um, jump in. I think the most grievous reason that we don't jump into um, to, to this pool is um, certainly fear is a sin. It's it's not okay to put my fear of confrontation over someone else's um, sin that that needs to be rectified, that needs to be worked out. Um, uh, worry that there's going to be conflict or or whatever might arise. Worry that they're not going to react well. Of course, they're probably not going to react well at first. You wouldn't either, right? I mean, the the first instinct that we tend to have, even if we even if we come off as um, uh, good to go. And oh, oh, I'll think about it. The first instinct in our mind is almost always, who do you think you are? Right. Um, so maybe they don't react well at first. Okay. But I think the biggest, the biggest and deepest thing that, that should grieve us is that it doesn't grieve us. The thing that I think should cause all of us 
to fall to our knees and pray to God and repent when it comes to church discipline, when it comes to, to this struggle that we have with confrontation on those kinds of things. I think it, it, it is simply that we do not care as much about sin being in the church as God does, that we do not care about the purity of, of Christ's bride the same way that Christ cares about the purity of Christ's bride. We have to love one another enough to care we have to love one another enough to take these steps and take them seriously. And no matter what role you're in, you have to be a person that is willing to hear this kind of stuff, that's willing to hear brothers and sisters coming to you and, and saying, um, man, the way that you treated your wife the other day, I just, I can't get past it. It was, it just, it didn't seem to be right. I know that I'm not perfect, but that that just it hit me hard and i'm not sure i like are you have you thought about that have you prayed about it um coming to one another like that it, we have to be willing to do that and we have to be willing to hear that and receive that if it's us being um the one that 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 it gets brought up with um okay well enough about that i have one more thing that i want to show you um as a pastor i am the proud recipient of lots and lots of mail that um, is really just a, a way to waste paper and um, not helpful at all. So I'm going to show you actually a couple of things um, that I got in the mail. I, I just took pictures of it, so I don't know. I hope that that's going to be good, but um, let me make it a little bit bigger here. So this is a, whoo, that was a little bit bigger, all right. Okay, so this is a guy um, that wants to give us tools. Um, uh, my name is Daniel Brown, and I'm a recent PhD grad from Harvard. I'm researching ways we can strengthen our Christian walk, and I want to share some of my research with you in hopes that it's helpful. Um, so the, the idea here is that we want to strengthen our Christian walk. He's looking for ways to do that. Um, as a Christian and a researcher, I noticed that, that the same methods used in medicine, psychology, and business to help improve our physical and mental health could also be used to improve our spiritual health. Okay, um, this is going to be just a rhetorical question because I'm looking at a camera and not people. Okay, so don't answer out loud as, as, as hard as it's going to be, camera. Um, how do you improve your spiritual health, people? If, if, if you said, if you said, read your Bible, study your Bible and pray, there you go. Okay. Uh, okay. Thus, there's an incredible opportunity to use social science methods to learn how we can grow our faith and fellowship and followership of Christ. Okay. So I'm, I, I haven't read all of this stuff yet. Um, so I'm just kind of reading this as I go along. I, I, I do want to say that there are things in social sciences that are helpful. I think that um, we, we can look at certain things that are helpful to look at, but um, 
but to to come at this this letter is already coming at this from an from an incorrect um, place. There, there, there's an incorrect foundation here. There's an overlook. Um, some sort of that there seems to be an idea of a, a a new thing that they're bringing out, like this this new thing that we get we're introducing to everyone. Oh, look at the thing that we found out. Okay. Uh, ways to strengthen our Christian walk. Read your Bible and pray has been around for a long time. So, um, let's see. Incredible opportunity to use social science methods to learn how we can grow our faith and followership of Christ. This idea prompted me to start the Faith Research Lab. Faith Research uses rigorous social science methods, randomized controlled trials, surveys, and big data to help us strengthen our Christian walk and our churches. So all of those things, all of those things are absolutely unneeded if the goal is to help us strengthen our Christian walk and our churches. Um, they can certainly be helpful in some things, in some respects. But if I'm if I start off on a journey uh, from a, from a biblical perspective, if I start off on a journey to help us strengthen our Christian walk and our churches, um, I'm absolutely never going to land. I'm never going to land here. I'm never going to land on method uh, on uh, social science methods, randomized control trials, surveys, and big data. It's not. It's not a thing. Okay. Um, attached are five research studies with practical ways to increase church attendance, volunteering donate volunteering donations, and feelings of closeness to God. You can find additional details and further studies on our website by scanning the QR code below. Okay. So here's another thing. This person has said that uh, this is about what? I'm researching ways we can strengthen our Christian walk. Okay, ways that we can strengthen our Christian walk. Then down here below, uh, it, it is uh, to help us strengthen our Christian walk and our churches. So again, we're talking about becoming stronger in the faith, okay? Um, and yet down here, what this is talking about... Um, pretty explicitly is um, increased church attendance, okay? Um, now, you should go to church, okay? It's not, it's not uh, the, the word means congregation. The word has gather in its, in its entire idea. So yes, you must come to church, okay? Um, not going to a church or just calling it family church, and not being a part of any sort of local congregation when there's one available is um, unbiblical. So to increase church attendance. But that's not what he's saying here. When, when he says this, church attendance and then volunteering and then donations, uh, these are all three things that are supposed to, because, you know, dear Pastor Rob, right at the top here, these are supposed to appeal to me because I'm supposed to be judging how healthy my church is by how many people are in the seats today, uh, last week and this week and the week before and the week before that. Um, I, I'm supposed to be judging how healthy my church is simply by uh, numbers and uh, volunteering and donations. Now, are those things uh, completely meaningless? No, absolutely not. They're not. Um, but they're also not the goal. 
right? They're not the thing that tells me if, um, if our church is healthy or not. They're not. Um, because if if that is the uh, if that's the standard, okay, then you can have an uh, an incredibly terrible, um, uh, ungodly, even heretical um, preacher, okay, um, some good some good talented musicians who are singing heretical songs, and by this standard, even in the next thing, feelings of closeness to God. Um, by all of these standards, uh, churches that that I would clearly say are not even churches would, I mean, th- they would be like five star in it right here, if these are the measuring things. And and frankly, some of the churches that preach the Bible the the most clearly, the most the in the most blunt ways, some of those churches would n- not ever maybe. Maybe, you know, depending on providentially what God has lined up there. So this is, um, it, it's not a good, this is why you don't go to Harvard for religious stuff. Um, okay, so we're going to go, we're going to go to the next, uh, here we go. So this is the second page, okay? I'm going to zoom in here a little bit again. These are the five things, okay? Um, All right, so the five things. Top Christian areas for improvement, he says. We surveyed 200 Christians asking, first of all, there's no mention um, on here of what he means by Christian. And today in our culture, you have to to tell me that. You have to tell me what what do you mean by Christian? Uh, Is it just someone who says I'm a Christian? Because there are lots of people who absolutely are not Christians who say that they're Christians. Because to them, it might just mean you know, I believe Jesus existed or yeah, Jesus died for me, but have like zero idea that they have, that they were ever in need of, <laughs> of the sacrifice that Christ uh, made. Uh, maybe have no clue that, that they are uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God until Jesus comes. And so you, you can't just say Christian. Okay. But let's just assume, I guess that, that he means the true Christians, Christians that, that walk the talk. Um, okay, so we surveyed 200 Christians asking each to list five areas of their Christian walk they'd like to improve. The top results were then statistically compared across denominations. Church attendance, age, oh, church attendance, age pol- political beliefs, and other demographic and behavioral factors. Huh. Denominations, church attendance, okay. So these are just the factors that, okay, some of the criteria they used. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Online versus in-person church attendance. Okay. (laughs) Already there's a problem. Our experiment with 405 people found a potential trade-off between online versus in-person church service. Although online services may increase attendance, this increase appears to be coming from Christians who already attend church in person. Well, that's that's true. I get that. If if you're measuring, here's the deal. If if you're measuring um, the health of a church, so I, I've already said if you're measuring uh, your church health by the butts in the seats, that's 
that's incoherent. That that's not good, not right. It's not a good. Um, it can tell you some things, but it certainly shouldn't tell you if your church is successful in the eyes of God or not. Um, so I've already said that. Now online, um, uh, I know this isn't necessarily what he's talking about here, but if you're a Christian who is um, doing the online thing when there are churches around who um, are in person, um, this is this has been a particular problem since uh, 2020 when all the pandemic stuff all came out. Um, um, no matter where you are, um, for the most part, no matter where you're at, uh, especially in this nation, people are like churches are open, right? But one of the things that that are is happening is um, many people don't care. <laughs> Church, churches are open. But, but there are lots of folks who have gotten comfortable and um, comfortable, uh, air quotes, going to church in their pajamas um, for, uh, for their spiritual growth. Um, and I just want to say, that's laughable. That, that is not okay. That is not what church is. That's watching a movie. That's being entertained. So... There, there's a there, there's supplement, supplemental things that that we can um, learn and that are edifying that help the church that will help your spiritual growth that will help you grow. Um, I watch sermons online. I watch certain people. I watch uh, things online, and, and um, I even listen to uh, music online. I listen to lots of uh, Gettys and and things like that that are, are really theologically good and and whatever else but um but I can't call that church uh no matter no matter the um no matter the the church that you might uh look at or uh enjoy watching right you can't watch it and call it church um because you you are not a part of it you're not there Church implies relationship. Church implies that you're with other humans in congregation gathered together on the Lord's day. So um, this, man, this whole online versus in-person stuff is, is a killer. It's, it's such a bad thing. And, and again, it, it has to do with people just not knowing the word of God, not knowing what, is, what it means to be a church even. Um, and I mean, I, I sympathize with some of that because some of it's, it's because no one's taught them. It's, it's from a a generation to generation to generation. We, we learn this in, uh, in the scriptures, uh, you know, as far back, I I know Deuteronomy six is a, a big one, right? When, uh, we, it, it is explicitly told, um, to, to us that that we're responsible to train the next generation. Um and so yeah, it it we've we've assumed knowledge too often in the past generation or two. Um and so it's led to people not having a clue what scripture says. Uh fundraising for churches and nonprofits. A series of five experiments revealed that reporting goal progress and success metrics did not increase donation likeliness, nor did 501c3 status. 
However, fund is there an expectation that being a 501c, being a nonprofit, is going to increase your donation likeliness here? I wonder why they would even think that. Huh. Unless it was like, maybe this has something to do with outside giving or something like that. Uh, I don't know. But I promise I'm never going to like stand up uh, at church and say, hey, we're, we need to give to this missionary. Hey, and we're a nonprofit. So <laughs> I feel like everyone in the whole congregation would go, um, nobody cares. Um, however, fundraisers are focused on benefiting children. Uh, oh, 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 fundraisers focused on benefiting children increase likeliness to donate by 10 to 15%. So you just have to pitch it right, <laughs> I guess. So parenting classes. Oh, this is for the children. Um, we need a new fellowship hall. <laughs> this is so the children can eat with the parents. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, micro volunteering. That just just so we're clear, I'm not actually even reading this to like roast this person. I don't know what this is talking about. Um, uh, I haven't even read any of this yet. Micro volunteering. I do not know what that means. Timing effects signups. Micro volunteers work on small scale tasks that collectively accomplish a larger project. Okay. I think I know what that means. Uh, it's gaining popularity. Our research shows that even though longer duration projects net more volunteer hours, micro-volunteering may work well in churches. This is a little too scientific for me to get on the fly. But it seems like what he's saying is if there's a, a large like building thing that your church is working on or something like that, that a micro-volunteering thing would be maybe... Um, I don't know, get the estimates. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, 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 kill me in the face. Okay, this one I'm going to rant on. I, I guarantee it. The last one says, one minute prayer and closeness to God. Can praying even just briefly strengthen our closeness to God? We conducted an experiment with 298 Christians and found that praying for as little as one minute was enough to increase participants' feelings of closeness to God by over 10 to 15%. Okay, first of all, this is guys at Harvard PhD. Um, is it over 10 or over 15? Or is it between 10 and 15%? So that kind of kills me a little bit. But... Um, Look, no offense to this, um, but if if you're praying for one minute um, a day, I'm I'm not sure how they could have conducted this in a way that makes any sense. <laughs> I just don't know how this would have worked. If you're praying for one minute uh, uh, in a setting. Um, or something like that. How, do, how does a, a Christian who's already doing what they should be doing biblically and praying, pouring their heart out to God uh, on the regular and, and digging into the scriptures so that they hear God talking back to them in his word, how are Christians who are, are neck deep in that going to even participate in a meaningful way in something like this? Because I can tell you, I, I don't know I don't know how uh, praying for... 
for one minute a day is even going to matter in my life. And it shouldn't because one minute a day should, should really be a minute of prayer in a sea of minutes of prayer in the Christian's life. Um, this one, I, I don't even, I don't even understand. Um, that might actually be worth looking into, but I'm busy. I just started seminary, so I'm not going to look into it. But, but I will say that like an increasing problem that I see in the church and, and I bring it up and, you know, you see heads shaking. Yep. Yep. I know you're right. Preach, you know, you'll see heads shaking and then no, no movement. Um, on the part of a lot of folks. <laughs> and, and it's this, the, um, the, the problem is this, if you are, um, so many people will say, um, that they just don't have time. They, they just, their work schedule is crazy. And I promise some of the work schedules up here in oil country are crazy for sure. But, but they'll, they'll say the work schedule is crazy. This is difficult. Um, I, I, I don't know how to fit it in, you know? Um, and I, here's the thing. If you can fit in one episode of TV show, if you can fit in, um, uh, scrolling through Facebook for 35 minutes or 40 minutes a day, then you can absolutely fit in your time with God in the word and in prayer. And there's no excuse not to do it. There's just no excuse not to do it. Any excuse that I could come up with to not be in the Word or pray is not an excuse that I would absolutely not an excuse that you or I would be able to give in in the presence of God at some point. It doesn't even make sense that we would um, that we would think that way. It doesn't make sense. Look at your phone. Most phones now have most phones now have like a a mechanism in them or an app or something like that that tracks your screen time on that phone, right? Look at that at the end of the week. At the end of the week this week, look at that and and tell me, have a, have a heart-to-heart with yourself in the mirror after looking at that. Did I spend this much time praying and reading Scripture and studying the things of God? Or do I love Mark Zuckerberg more? And that sounds really harsh, and it is, I guess. But we talk about most what we love most. Um, you are going to tell the world on a regular basis what you care most about by how you spend your time. Uh, we don't argue about this in uh, any, uh, in in many ways. We don't argue about this. We, my wife, loves to garden right? She, she loves to garden. And so, I mean, any time that she has, um, that isn't taken up by the things that she must get done, um, she'll spend out weeding the garden or goofing around out there. I don't know, playing with dirt. She loves, she'll hear me say this and, and, um, and laugh because the woman loves dirt. Um, I, I don't get it. Um, but, um, she loves to do that and and she spends time doing it 
Um, and, and one of the ways that you can tell that she loves to do that is by driving by her house and seeing the garden out in the front and driving by or stopping in the back and, and seeing the vegetable uh, garden and the food stuff that she's preparing for our family to, to eat. And, um, there, there's, there's fruit to that labor and you see her doing it and you see her every once in a while post something about her back being out because she gardens too much. <laughs> and, um, but you, you see the fruit of that. Right. There's evidence that she loves to garden because she spends her time doing it because she spends all of our money doing it sometimes. Um, And uh, there's evidence. That's the point. There's evidence that she loves doing that. There's evidence that I love doing certain things and there's evidence that you love doing certain things. Is there evidence that other people notice that you love Christ? that you love spending time with God, that you just aren't right if you don't get to. So, um, you know, I know we've talked about church discipline, sin in the camp, that kind of thing. Um, But these two things are very related. How this thing ended and what we began with are very related. Um, Because... Because I'm I'm largely convinced that the reason that we don't care as much about sin being in the church, the reason we don't um, treat uh, church discipline as utterly important, and when I talk about this is a side note, briefly, promise, when I talk about church discipline, what I, I'm not saying like jump in and and get them, you know, like kick them all out of the church so that we're pure, right? It, it's simply that we we have to take one another's uh, um, seriously, one another's uh, sins seriously, uh, the sanctification of one another seriously. When Jesus says that uh, that you would leave the ninety nine and rescue the one and celebrate that one that was rescued, he's talking about how much he cares about each individual sheep. He died for each of us, and and so we better treat one another like that. And if I love the sheep of God. If I love his children, then I'm going to care for them like, like he does. I'm going to, to care about the things that they care about. I'm going to care when I see the brothers stumbling. Um, I'm going to long to go lift them up. So I'm, I'm not talking about uh, church discipline, get them out of here. But what I am saying is that we, we need to practice church discipline. We need to care about sin being in the church. And the reason that we don't is largely because we have a lack of conviction about it, and that's largely because we're not in the Word the way that we should be. We, we spend lots of time maybe praying, um, talking to God. This, this talks about prayer and closeness to God. One minute a day. If I prayed for one minute every day and didn't read my Bible, then all I would hear are my own thoughts and longings and lusts and whatever else bouncing around in my head. Like, this is how God talks to you, through His Word. And so, we don't, we don't do that. We do not spend enough time in the Word and in prayer to God. That's the problem. I think that's the root cause of a whole lot of the sin in the church today. It's certainly the root cause of a whole lot of um, uh, indifference and um, lack of knowledge of the word and that sort of thing. Um, and nobody's perfect, man. I mean, I there I find out things every time I prepare to preach. 
you find things out <laughs> that you didn't think of before, you never heard before, or I've never heard this quote before, my goodness, this is so great, or whatever. You're going to run into things like that all the time, no matter how deep you go. But, um, but <laughs> don't, don't come into a, a, my office and say, Hey, um, my marriage is, um, on the rocks or, um, I am, I am really struggling with, um, uh, well lust. Okay. Don't, don't come into my office and say that, um, if you haven't attempted to read the scriptures more than looking at a screen, more than any of the other stuff you're spending your time on, right? Um, if you got a whole lot of free time and the only thing you put in your mind is what the world does, what the world throws in your mind, then of course you're going to struggle with sin. <laughs> of course. It's such an obvious thing. And yet, and yet, um, we, we just... We've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with it. We've got to be in the Word. We've got to be a church that that changes that in this generation. You've got to teach your children to be in the Word. You've got to teach them that it's infallible and perfect, and it's the very Word of God. You've got to teach them these things. You've got to teach them by you living it, by you, by them seeing you be obsessed with the Word. You've got to do that. And if you don't, then... then, well, the rest of us need to come around you and confront that sin in the church. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that was long enough. It's been 45 minutes. Have a good day. Yeah.